0: To me, it's just very cool being the driving force behind change. Just like almost philosophically, if you think about it, like humans can willingly shape our surroundings, right? Like if we have a plan or an idea of how we want things to be, we can do it. So ever since I was little, to me, just making things happen and changing how life is, in a way, because I had an idea, and then I just kind of executed. It was just so cool that you could go outside of the box, that you could do things that are just like, quote unquote, not normal, and that they work. So you're changing reality.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Polsky Center's Where the Now podcast. I'm Colin Keeley, and we catch up with founders from Chicago Booth's New Venture Challenge on the show. Join us as we dive into their entrepreneurial journeys and get a look at the stories and struggles behind their success. This week, we have Sebastian Rivas, interviewed by Mark Tebbe. Sebastian is the CEO and co-founder of Andy's STR, which helps people invest in short-term rental properties by taking on the hassle of buying, furnishing, and managing the properties. He just won the first place prize, the 2021 New Venture Challenge, received more than $660,000. Mark Tebbi is a professor of entrepreneurship at Chicago Booth. It's been a longtime judge and mentor of NBC. Without further ado, here's Sebastian Rivas and Mark Tebbi.
2: Good morning. This is Mark Tebbe, adjunct professor at the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business and one of the two professors of the NBC.
0: And I'm sitting here today with Sebastian, who, Sebastian, why don't you identify yourself? Yeah, of course. Uh, Hey everybody, I'm Sebastian Rivas, I'm a second year MBA student now, Uh, tomorrow that's going to change, Um, I'm going to be an MBA, not just a student, and I'm also a very happy entrepreneur, because I was given a very good news. Well, Sebastian, you
2: didn't get wasn't given the news, you earned the opportunity to be this year's uh, MVC 2021 or the MVC at 25, depending on how you want to look at it, winner of the New Venture Challenge, which is an amazing accomplishment itself. And the whole reason we want to talk to you today is because of your you and your team's ability to have won that. But let's get a little bit of background for mm-hmm. before we get digging into the MVC itself. Let's talk a little bit about yourself. I can tell by the accent you do not born and raised in Chicago. <laughs> so where,
0: where, were you, where were you raised at? I was born and raised in Washington, Chile in South America. Uh, entrepreneurship is, is kind of on uh, runs in our blood. My dad's an entrepreneur, literally every single one of my grandparents was an entrepreneur. Uh, My mom was an entrepreneur for a time, and then I was kind of a hard kid. So so then that became a full-time job. (laughs) But yeah, that's where I was born and raised. Uh, I got my engineering degrees there uh, from a nice local university, and then I moved to Canada. All right, so before
2: I move to you said your, your grandparents were all entrepreneurs and your yes. father and mother also. Yes. What type of businesses
0: did they have? Oh, like different kinds. So on my mother's side, uh, supermarkets. Actually, mm-hmm. interesting. Like they had like a, one of the bigger chains uh, down there. And on my dad's side, um, laboratory supplies, biotech, that, that kind of stuff. So more niche-like businesses. It's still a very very diverse type of
2: businesses. A lot, a lot of different things. And so, what was it like growing up in an entrepreneurial family?
0: Different. It's very different. It's the, the experience that you get, and, and the, the, it's easy to see that growing up. It's funny the way my my friends' kind of families operated. In a sense, it was just very different than mine. Like there, there were some words that had a different meaning to us. So, like sacrifice, for instance. My dad. I remember, like for, okay, for the last, like for the first. Seven years or so of my life, I barely saw my dad because he had to travel a lot, like make that business grow and and kind of provide something for us. Uh, being an entrepreneur in a developing country is not the same as in, in like more advanced economy. So so sometimes the, those um, the, those paths are a bit harder. The, the reward sometimes is also better and bigger. But yeah, I, I think it was different. Um, but they definitely, if there was one thing that I... A good thing that I took away from that was the value of uh, hard work, effort, but I think more like in the perseverance. It's not just like doing hard work for doing hard work's sake. It's having a goal, having a plan, having something in mind and, and being focused and just grinding, not looking back, not looking sideways, just going for it. Like It, it takes like a kind of, I think, special kind of person. And my dad was the first uh, kind of role model I had for that, mm-hmm. so for that I'm deeply thankful. And so, are you the? Do you have siblings? I do, I do. I'm the older of three. I have two little sisters. I have a cute story about that one. Yeah. We are kind of spaced apart, right? So in terms of age, mm-hmm. um, so I'm 31 now. Uh, my young, well, like middle sister? She's six years younger than I am. But the the youngest, I'm 18 years wow. older right so when my mom uh, uh, delivered I went to visit her my dad was actually one well, example like he was in a meeting so he couldn't be there at the time um, and I was the first one to show up <laughs> and so the doctors thought I was a dad <laughs> <laughs> but I had never seen my mom as so red in my life <laughs> she was she was uh she, she took it as a compliment I think mm-hmm. but but that was funny <laughs>
2: And so did you know growing up that, you know, with this, even with this age gap, that, hey, I'm going to be entrepreneurial?
0: Yes, yes, yes. I always knew it. I knew it. I was like, I think I was like six years old. I knew, I think my dad told me that when I was like five or something, I told him that I wanted to do what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't remember. I, I think I, I have fussy mm-hmm. memories about that. But uh, yes, yes, I my f- technically my first business. I was nine years old and I was selling avocados in around the <laughs> block. So that's good.
2: So besides role modeling off your grandparents and your parents, what kind of fire did you
0: find that said I want to be an entrepreneur?
2: Because it's a certain breed to be an entrepreneur.
0: You know, it, it, it's interesting. It's um, it, it's similar. It's a similar drive than like the reason I became an engineer. it's To me, it's just very cool being the driving force behind change, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, Just like almost philosophically, if you think about it, like humans are like a very special race in a sense because we can willingly shape our surroundings, right? Like if we have a plan or an idea of how we want things to be, we can do it, right? So ever since I was little, to me, just making things happen and, and changing how life is in a way because I had an idea and then I just kind of executed. It's just that concept. I, I didn't know how to say it in a sense. but it, I, I, I'm just thinking back to when I was saying avocados, right? Um, it was just so cool that you could go outside of the box, that you could do things that are just like, quote unquote, not normal and that and that they work. So just think about like Think about it. For a nine-year-old, avocados are sold in supermarkets, mm-hmm. that's how life is. And then you just kind of buy one from a wholesaler. You buy some plastic bags, you make some marketing, and then you go and knock on doors. And, and then now avocados are sold for me. So it's, it's how you're changing reality, in a sense. Right. To me, that's impressive. So it takes a certain spirit
2: of person to identify a problem, conceive a solution, convince others to be part of that solution, and then mm-hmm. find customers who want to make that solution. But here you were at nine years old, able to do this with avocados. What did you do
0: after you were your avocado business? Knives. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I, I don't know. I don't know how it came up with that one. I think my dad played a big role in that one. But um I remember that that they were no, I remember thinking like all oh, our knives are like useless. <laughs> so and they're I and like, I don't know, maybe there was knife shorter in Chile at the time. I don't know. But um like knives were just not good. And then I did the same thing. So I picked up my, my same customers and I, I started asking, do you want to have and I mean kitchen knives, by the way? <laughs> yeah. I was like, well,
2: I didn't know what you want with knife So basically you went back to the people said, You bought you bought my avocados. Would you like to have a knife now to cut them?
0: Yes, that kind of stuff. Exactly. But it's a pretty knife mm-hmm. with a nice kind of um uh, well, the part where you craft knife. I know, sorry about the English. Um, and yeah, and 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 surprisingly, most people, at least at the time, did not have decent knives. They just got the first one they could. Like ten years ago, they were dull, and and um, and people liked them. So we like I knew of a company that like and that was eleven years old. Now so, you're up to eleven, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so I knew of a company that my dad was working with, uh, and I don't know how, but they are completely unrelated. And they they but they were also they, they also sold knives, right? And they I, I thought they were super cool, they, like super good looking, like they just look cool. And I thought to myself, well. If I if I think these are cool and there's nothing like that in my household, maybe others will think the same. So I, in my avocado route, <laughs> I started asking questions, uh, figuring out the truth behind that. And it just so happens that people were willing to buy. So I was willing to sell.
2: There you go. All right. So you sold them avocados at nine. You sold them knives at 11. Uh-huh. Somewhere you went to high school. And did you have a business while you were in high school too?
0: Yes. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean right before high well the things that in in chile we have different like uh names for these things right like the high school like divisions mm-hmm. um that, that is a funny one i think it's before high school but or somewhere maybe somewhere in between but uh, when i was growing up we were a lot like super big into uh like dragon ball mm-hmm. remember yeah. so um so i think it was uh it, it's hard getting like stuff like around Dragon Ball and Jelly, like like uh be it uh like I don't know trading cards or mm-hmm. or whatever it is, right? They they don't they didn't maybe now they do, but they didn't just get there. So my dad's office, uh he had a like a copy copy machine, mm-hmm. right? And I got my hands onto this super cool poster. So I started making photocopies of those and selling them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, and and they, I made them like black and white too. So, well, mo- mostly like white and contours. Like, so mm-hmm. people could like color them and, and whatnot. Uh, and that picked up, that picked up. Then I started selling uh, bubblegum. Oh. <laughs> I, I went to a wholesaler uh, and he was like half the price of the, of the supermarket. And I sold them, I was like the, the dealer in the, in the classroom. <laughs> so I, I did a bunch of little things growing up. I never lacked pocket change.
2: That's good. Yeah. But Okay, so you took all this and then you decided I wanted to go be an engineer. What yeah. led you to be an engineer? What kind of engineering were you at?
0: Yeah, so I actually got two engineering degrees. Um, Industrial engineering, like understanding more businesses and, 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 and factories, right? Like production. Mm-hmm. And then electrical engineering. Mm. Um, those are uh, my two things. I was very curious also when, when mm-hmm. I was growing up, I was the kind of kid that would, <laughs> would learn that, for instance, that if you delete the windows folder in your computer, mm-hmm. it keeps running until you reboot it. And then it doesn't run anymore. Uh, I was a kid that would, I was, I built my own computers growing up. I like. I don't know, rearranged uh, vacuum cleaners. They never worked again, ah. <laughs> but, but I tried. Um, so I really wanted to learn how things work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that's with me to this day for sure. It's a big driving factor, but I like business. So I wanted to learn how business works and how things work. Mm-hmm. And I thought that combination of industrial engineering and electrical engineering was a very good combination for both. Sounds like it has been. So you came out of
2: college with a dual degree of industrial and electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. What what was
0: your first job out of school? Well, right out of school, I actually went traveling <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> because you had so much package change from South <laughs> <nice to laughs> America. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I did have a piggy bank, uh, but um, yeah, and and also, I, well, like, I went to uh, like Southeast Asia. That uh-huh. was like popular when when I was uh, graduating, and it's super cheap, so I, it was a good combination. I lived, seriously, I look back now, and it's impressive, but I lived with like two bucks per day. Something like that. Good training to be an entrepreneur where you're going to have to learn to be frugal. Yeah, (laughs) yes, exactly. Well, I definitely learned that. But yeah, and then my first job, like job-job was after university because I didn't work with my dad, like throughout, you know, I paid for my university doing business as well, by the way, bigger business though, (laughs) Not, not avocados, but like airport equipment, things like that. I sold it to the government and then I worked with my dad. And then after university, I did private equity. That mm-hmm. was the first like real kind of quote unquote corporate job that I did. Um, I did private equity for a year in Chile.
2: Mm-hmm. You said for a year. What happened after that
0: year? I decided to go abroad. So I had my sights set on going to North America. Mm-hmm. So I that private equity thing I was doing, it was in a small shop, a good shop. And we we did renewable energy and infrastructure. So that was the the asset class. At the time. There was a major bank in Canada that was ranked like number one in financial advisory and infrastructure, all those good things. And they were looking for people. Mm -hmm. So I applied um, because that was part of a plan of going to North America and learning how business is actually done here. Uh, I got in. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very competitive process. 1,200 applicants. i was super lucky. I got in. Um, So I packed my bags and I went to Canada. A part of Canada, Toronto.
2: So you moved to Toronto, you get a job at this bank, and then
0: how long were you with the bank? Sure. So I the, the job I got was contract. It was something in between an internship and and the full time job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they didn't want to take the risk of like hiring somebody like full time day one that's a, like an unknown like value, right? Like they just don't know it. But I was I already had that like experience, right? Mm-hmm. So so they wanted to do something in between. So I go there. I did I do my first four months go well. Then um, they extend the contract because they wanted to keep me around. And then this is like the life of an entrepreneur. So then um, the whole bank, well, I, I, or the whole investment banking uh, kind of um, uh, division uh, had a hiring freeze. Wow. Yeah. So that was very unfortunate. Um, so they, I, they gave me the, the option of being like more time on contract mm-hmm. so either extend it again or going back to like going to montreal to the headquarters of mm-hmm. that bank and getting another job uh, mm-hmm. so i went to montreal and i looked i, I talked to like a, the people that were great though like the, I, I spoke with the president of the bank and the like it, everything in his power to make it easy right like to really go and find a job and all that stuff uh, but there there were no jobs that really appealed to me mm-hmm. and I never paid someone to settle in a sense so I decided you know look I'm out <laughs> I'm out I'm gonna start looking for another one um so I while I was in Montreal I started working with uh the same private equity shop I was working with in uh with Chile uh, sorry in Chile with but in a deal-making capacity, so now we're selling projects, mm-hmm. like big projects, like three hundred million dollar, like Chilean solar p- power projects, right? A little
2: more than selling two to <laughs> yeah, a
0: <laughs> it's an upgrade, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah and that worked out actually. In, in like six months, we did sell uh, three of those projects, so so that was that was nice. Uh, in that, like throughout that time, I was looking for a job. Uh, I spoke to literally. Three hundred people.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah, in a, in a, I think like in four or five months, it was many coffee chats, many, 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 many. Uh, and along the way, I met my future boss. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I go back to Toronto and I start working. I got like a, a promotion in a sense and a full time position this time. Great. And so, what was that to do? Uh, same field. So investment banking in infrastructure and real estate. Okay. And so, at what point did you start thinking? I think we, I
2: want to go to school. Or did you already, I remember at one point you had said you had paid for school by having this uh, company, which now has become Andy's STR. Which came first,
0: Andy's STR or your decision to go to business school? Business school. I, I actually, that was part of the, of the grant plan, in a sense. I, I knew I wanted to do business school before I left Chile. That was part of the plan. Uh, in fact, one of the reasons, one of the big reasons I wanted to go to the U.S. and Canada was I thought it, it made a, a good story for myself, but also it fits very well with going to an MBA. Right, having that international exposure, understanding how business is done in Chile, in South America, in North America, being a good bridge. I thought it like it was it would be a very well rounded experience if I took an MBA after. Okay, so you decided I'm going to get an MBA. So you started looking at schools.
2: How did you decide Booth versus the other schools? What other schools did you look at? Oh, no brainer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No brainer. Seriously. Like, uh, I, well, I mean, I I applied to the, like, what I would call like the typical five, right? So I applied Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, uh, MIT, and Booth, right? Mm -hmm. Those are all the ones I applied to. I got into most of them, not all of them, and, and I decided for Booth. What was it about Booth that said this is the school I want to go to? One, of course, entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. right? Having a flexible curriculum, a like world-renowned entrepreneurship uh, program. Like I, I, I've, I know many people uh, before me that have been here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, specifically at Booth, taking the full-time program, and they all said the entrepreneurship here is world-class. Like there's nothing like it. It's just like. It's impressive, right? Um, so I took them on their word, mm-hmm. and the other big thing is, well, maybe I'm sure you know, but University of Chicago is huge in Chile. It's like Harvard, basically. Yeah. The Chicago Boys, right? Like a like a very very um, important uh, institution for Chile. They changed how like Chile evolved for the last thirty years. So the the alumni network down there for university of chicago is it's huge it's impressive so those two were the main factors wow so booth is
2: looking at, it's that new so you come in the booth and did you already know about the new venture
0: challenge before you came to booth i knew but not that much mm-hmm. Very frank I, I i knew about it i've heard about it uh i had some of my like buddies back from chile that, that had been here before and that they participated they they tried getting in all the stuff and they they talked about it, but I I didn't know all that much. I I I hadn't done my due diligence. So you had this
2: predisposition, this preconception that entrepreneurship was very strong at Booth. You come to Booth, what insights did you gain about it by now being a full-time student participating in entrepreneurship versus what you were anticipating? The good, the
0: bad, the ugly. So when, when I came here, I did not expect Classes to be that hard (laughs) at the beginning. (laughs) Some classes were very hard. It's good. I mean, I I graduated with honors and everything. So I I did my homework, but it was a bit distracting, especially for an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. Because you you can't do everything. You got to have focus. So if you're trying to build a business or do stuff like more on the entrepreneurial side, I mean, there's only so much time you can put in regressions, right? So that was one thing. The people were really nice. Like I, I really like my co, like uh, my my colleagues, uh, the other buddies. Like I, I, I like them for the most part. They're great people, very diverse, different backgrounds. It's a, it's a really really great really great place. Um, one thing that I was disappointed with is that um, sometimes, like especially for international students, it's hard understanding which kind of topics you can talk about in a sense sometimes like there's like different cultural kind of uh nuances that, that are hard sometimes for people like me to navigate but besides that it's been an amazing experience it's like one of the best things i've done in my life so but
2: you, you like to say you crushed it in nbc would be an understatement so you didn't know a lot about the nbc until you got here what was it about the nbc that really
0: drew you to say this is something i want to participate in I didn't know almost anything about NBC when I joined, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, when I got here, Booth. But then, first year, I started seeing some of my my colleagues here joining, right, and having a blast, like uh, and making something out of, of just an idea or a, or a, a small business. Um, so I, I thought that was super cool. I thought the kind of competition format was super cool. Then once I started talking with them, like one with my friends one on one, they they started like they they told me how like you get this exposure to really good investors, like a really like renowned and knowledgeable experience and the coaches that were amazing and the resources out of this world that there was nothing like it. So they would say these things, but if you're not living it, it's hard to relate, right? Because mm-hmm. I've never been through this. I've never really fundraised or things like that, right? I I, I did not have that much uh, like venture capital experience, almost, actually nothing really, uh, besides like a small internship. So I didn't relate that much, and then I I actually applied to NVC the day before the, the, the submission was due. This
1: year, last yeah, year. this, this year. year,
0: yeah. I I was not sure. I was not sure because I I knew, I I knew like we could do it, but I didn't know enough about it. I knew it was super cool because I see these old teams like last year's winner, and it was like impressive. As like I, I was looking at their, I actually looked at uh, watched the 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 live event. Mm-hmm. And it was impressive. I was like, holy mackerel, like that—that that is business. Like I, I don't want to invest in this one, right? And then um, I decided to apply. I, I, I did not hope. I, I didn't think I was going to get in. But then I started talking to people. And then they told me that it's, um, sure, like they look amazing by the time they're in the finals. Mm-hmm. But they start in a very widely different place. So they said, well, you know, you're starting off just as bad or as good as anyone else. So you, I think you have a good shot. And then I that's when it all, it all really started.
2: Wow, oh, it's amazing. I've I've known you for four months through the MVC process. I did not know that you were a last day applicant. That's surprising. <laughs> because you turned out a great business that became a winner of this year's MVC. So let's talk about the business. Let's talk. It's
0: called Andy's STR. Correct. What is it? So we we make it very easy for people to buy short-term rentals as investments. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. So and what that means is that. Uh, we help people like you and I buy, uh, for first identify good properties, right? And we define good as properties that will yield high returns, right? In nice markets that are quote unquote low risk and poised for growth, right? We have to, like, we, we're solving for total returns in a risk adjusted manner, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the short term rental market. That's the first thing. So first we identify those properties, then we facilitate the buying process. So it's super seamless and and friction-free. Normally, if you want to buy a property, uh, especially nowadays with COVID and and, and shortage of of supply, it's very hard. It's going to take you at least 100 hours of just research before you can pull the trigger. And then, um, and then you have to, well, go, go through this process. And if it's the first time, it's very localized as well. Like different markets act and react differently. There's different people that, different intermediaries. So it, it is not an easy thing to do. So we make all of that super easy, right? Then we furnish the properties and then we manage the properties such that at the end of the day, the only thing that our customers have to do is tell us their budget, tell us the market, and we do everything else for them.
2: Mm, so that's very interesting. Um... It's an amazing opportunity. So how do you differentiate yourself? I mean, there's been businesses out there for a long time that have basically helped people manage property that they own, but they don't live in full-time. How do you differentiate yourself from those other
0: businesses? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think I think we our main things that we are well, investments first, but we're also fully turnkey, right? We're fully turnkey. That means that from the very beginning, even before you buy the property, we're there with you, right? We'll make we'll make sure that it's going to be a good investment for you, all right? That's the first one, uh, and then everything else we do is with that mindset. We're super data driven, right? Mm-hmm. And we're opinionated. We're scaring the markets. We have algorithms that are like constantly looking at different, like at the state of the market, right? Like different, like what what are the properties that are in the market right now? What would be the returns, the equivalent returns on Airbnb, on VRBO, on different market, on different platforms. Um, then even when we are furnishing the the places, we are we are data driven. So we have models that tell us what's the best layout, the best furniture that we can put in the place. Like the the even to the, the like the, uh, to a local extent, right? So mm-hmm. if it's uh, for instance uh, a house in Austin, the 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 kind of decoration that you will use, the number of pictures on the walls, for instance, it's going to be different than a, like a lake house in the middle of the US. So we're data-driven, we're fully integrated and fully turnkey. And that we also bring, uh, this is one thing that we, we've we found a lot of success with, which is we try to bring the institutional investor experience as the user experience to the retail customer. And that comes with the level of professionalism and the level of due diligence, the marketing materials, everything, right? So we treat our, our customers, everyone, um, as if they were like a multi-billion dollar conglomerate trying to make an investment. Wow. So it's clear how you got your avocados and your knives
2: to be able to be sold. Where did this idea even come from? <laughs>
1: this
2: is so
0: such a different kind of idea from what you were doing. When I when I was working in Toronto, I had quite a few coworkers that were that, that invested in risk. Almost all of them. Then out of them, at least half either wanted to invest in properties for short-term rentals or had. Right, at least half of them. All of them had the same problem, which is they did not know who could manage the property for them. Mm-hmm. Right? They they tried people, like little known facts, but in the short term rental property management industry, seventy upwards of seventy percent of the players out there, like the property managers, manage fewer than twenty properties. Right. So most property managers out there in this sector are just like mom and pop shops. They're not that sophisticated. And for the most part, they're not that reliable. And that's a problem. Because when you're talking about a property, for most people, it's the biggest asset they'll own, right? So you want to make sure that the people that are running that know what they're doing very well. They're responsible and responsive. And, and they couldn't find that. So I started asking around and I, I bought myself one to try it first. Let's mm-hmm. see if, if this thing is, is, is as good as people say in terms of returns. It, in terms of returns, it definitely was. But then I lived through that problem. I like, I could not find a reliable property manager. They like sudden like uh, charges and fees, like magic charges and fees appeared in my in my bill every day. and then like they would call me with issues and that they were party uh, there was a party in, the, in, the, in the, my apartment and that there something was broken and that they were not screening people. It was a nightmare. It was it was really annoying. Like I, I remember like some like one day getting a call from like, at 2am from the cops. Saying that there was an issue in my apartment. So that's not a, that's not a call you want to have. Right. right. So that was one. And then the other one was they did not know also how to invest in these things. Because if you're investing on a property for like just tenants, like a long-term rental property, you kind of know the cap rates, right? You know, you know the rent that you can get. It, it's it's not that hard, right? Like you, uh, you just ask your real estate agent and and, and that this is their bread and butter. But there's not really a real estate agent for short-term rentals. That that thing doesn't exist yet. So when you go and buy a property for a short-term rental, most unless you're talking very specific niche markets like uh, ski resorts, for instance, things like that, um, in the rest of America, um, on the world for that matter, most people do not know how much money you can get from a specific property. It's very hard to get. It's very very hard to get. So so then the first thing, the first problem I solved was that one. I did my own model. I started raising the data and all that stuff. And then I, I did my first purchase, right? And it worked. So I figured that I solved the big problem. And then since I was having that problem with the, with the unreliable property managers, I decided, you know what, screw it. I'm not, I'm not going to have this problem. I'm going to make my own company and I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to make money along the way. So, so I kind of created this company because like for myself at the beginning, because I was having that issue, but knowing that there was some level of validation the problem because from my from the 20 people that i spoke to about this problem like the 20 agreed that that was a problem and that they would happily pay for a solution so you waited to
2: the day before the mbc to to turn in your feasibility study that got you into it but it sounds like you started this business long before that yes so when did you really start the business march
1: 2019 oh wow so yes
2: almost two years before you actually applied to the mbc yeah that's correct and so you say we had customers. So besides yourself, how many houses and how many properties did you manage
0: and the like? Yeah. So in the first six months, so I started a company literally the day I, uh, well, I mean, I started doing the business plan really, the day I was accepted into Booth, Okay. right? So I got into Booth, that was it. So I said, all right, screw it. Even though it's like two months until I get my bonus, I said, nah, all right, I'm going to be an entrepreneur long-term, so I'm going to start that, right? So that's when we got started. And then in the first six months, we got like something like 40-something customers and, and 56 properties, right? So before you ever came to Booth, you already had 46 customers and 56 properties. That's correct. And then you start before you started, then you finally came to Booth. That is correct. And you did that in six months. That's correct. I was not expecting that, by the way. I I kind of started this, this as a business business, in a sense, um, on a whim, because as I was saying, I had that problem. And, and then I had seven months of runway before Booth started, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't know it was going to be a big company, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just knew there was a problem. And I knew that there were at least 20 people with the same problem. With 20 people, I could hire enough people to do this thing full time, and they would solve my problem. Mm-hmm. So, so the, that's how I saw it. I saw it as a way to make some money, right, uh, solve my issue, and then since I'm big into real estate i could buy more properties and and they would keep my stuff running right I, I just didn't want to run properties myself right so so it was like that and then like the thing really picked up like it really picked up in the first month like we were profitable the one first month we got like a first f- five customers like the second month we got like another 20 it, it was it was really fast was much faster than i expected. So, if you had
2: this run-up in the first six months, did you think maybe I should defer a Booth and keep building this business, or what? What was the the trigger that said I, this business is doing very well? I'll keep it a little on the side
0: while I go and get my my MBA. Yeah, I never thought about um, delaying a Booth for a second. Like it was always part of the plan, and and you just make do, right? Like you make it work wherever you can. It was, as I was saying, like, it, it's not a, it's funny, it's not a business I like dreamt of starting when I was little. I'm very happy it did. Um, but uh, it, it was not my end goal in a sense. Mm-hmm. Then it started growing. Then it started growing. Then I, I, I started really liking it, not because of the growth, but because of the, the it's a new asset class. It, it's very interesting. It's an intellectual challenge that, that it's super rewarding to solve. And, and the, the thing, I, I mean, really it sells, sells itself. So then I started really liking it. And then I I, I I went to the booth, right? So even then, I thought to myself, all right, we've got 50 customers. Maybe we're going to get 200 or something. Uh, I think I can do it while I, I go to the booth. I, mm-hmm. I had co-founders, so I had support there. Um. So, so that was that. Now... Then COVID happened mm-hmm. and COVID is particularly tough on hospitality, right? And, and tourism and travel and all that stuff. So, so that, that actually is a very good thing that it didn't postpone because right. that would have been awful.
2: Yeah. Cause certain rentals just went
0: to the floor. Yes. So especially at the beginning and especially in Canada, because our headquarters were in Canada mm-hmm. at the time, right? Most mm-hmm. of our operations were there. It, it, it's interesting. The whole, the whole, Thing changed, the whole market, the whole landscape changed dramatically. Uh, people flocked away from urban areas, and mm-hmm. most of our apartments and properties were in an urban area, right? And they went towards, like, mountain towns and or cities and, and lakes and things mm-hmm. like that. Didn't have that much of that. So that was pretty hard on our business, but we survived. Um, we, instead of focusing on growth, we focused on profitability. Mm-hmm. So we, like, we had to fire a couple of people and then just, like, reduce cost. Uh, the upside was that uh, that, made, that meant that the company was much more profitable than before and it could pay for my tuition. So, <laughs> so that, that was very good. <laughs> That's good.
2: So you running the business, COVID hits. This gives you a time to reevaluate the business, rethink it, apply it to the MVC. Mm-hmm. So having gone through the MVC, what's the current state of Andy's year? what I mean, you're just getting ready to graduate tomorrow mm-hmm. and then... Where does it stand today versus
0: when you first got into booth? Oh, worlds apart. So that's the thing about NVC. It's it's just like a really great experience. It, it's it's really mind-blowing for everybody who's listening. You, if you can go do NVC. Like, seriously, if you're thinking about going to a booth, do NVC. It's the best experience of your life. Having said that, <laughs> quick plug. When we started, we didn't have a grant vision for it. And that's one of the big things I got uh, we got out of uh, NVC. We like by talking to so many like knowledgeable, smart, interesting advisors and coaches and investors and everything in between, we got to see their vision, in a sense, for our business. And it's something, it's funny, sometimes like you are so close to the problem, so close to the the company, in a sense, to the business, that you don't see its full potential, Mm -hmm. right? And that's what we were lacking. Now, COVID, interestingly enough, even though it was very awful for our company in the short run, now, what's happening is that there's a big wave to, uh, to ride here, and, and it's, um, it's compressing the timelines for a trend that we saw a long time ago, right? So short-term rentals are here to stay, they're, they're growing as a class, it's, it's, it's r- growing super rapidly, and, and there's a huge shortage of supply. So that means that basically we're in the business of, of making that supply, right? Mm-hmm. So that for us means that we have a multi-million dollar opportunity right now to make it happen.
2: Looking at it in a macro point of view, I mean, having the business started, getting that six months of quick feedback of a quick ramp, starting school and then COVID hitting after your second quarter at school, gave, and now being able to you know not have a lot of demand, take a step back, apply what you learned in school and then the MVC process. Mm-hmm. Uh, one couldn't have written a better script. So, but it, it still surprises me that you had this business and you the day before MVC, you were like, I, you know, I, I think I will submit my feasibility study. And you wrote it and you put it in. What did it feel like when you I mean it sounds like you were shocked when you said, yeah. oh my God, people people wanted this in the MVC. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it
0: was exactly that. It was, it was uh, it was a for shock. Especially because I've seen other people apply and and, and they had really good ideas, like mm-hmm. I had, like really really good ideas, and I was like, wow, like you're gonna make it big, like that's impressive, like that you are an NPC company. <laughs> um, so then when we got picked up, it was very surprising. I, I I can safely talk for everybody in my team. We were not expecting it. Well, let's talk about your team. How did how did you pick your team? Oh, that's a good one. So. I picked my team in two rounds, okay. right? So the first round, it's people that I already knew or that were already part of my team, right? Mm-hmm. So Matias, one of my, co- my co-founders, he was there from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? So he was an easy pick. <laughs> yeah. um, Christina, uh, she's also all, like, we we both love real estate and we always talked about real estate. We always talked about doing something together. So that was an easy, very easy pick as well. Mm-hmm. She she was she knew about my company. She already voiced that she wanted to do something. So then I just applied, and when I got in, after I got in, I then I told her, oh, by the way, I mean, so you want in? And she said yes. <laughs> so so that was an easy one. And then everybody else, it was after getting into um, into NBC, I started talking to people, and I I kind of put a message on Slack asking, by the way, I'm uh, this company. Is uh, was accepted into NBC? Is anybody interested? And then I started interviewing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was it. Okay. So what did you look for in your team? Did you round off for just skills or what? So skills were definitely a big part, but we filtered for three things. Okay. And, uh, and this was a, a hypothesis, an experiment in a sense. And I, I would argue it worked out. So the first thing we filtered for was commitment, right? Mm-hmm. We wanted to have committed people and we defined commitment as this was literally like part of the interview, right? Like wow. I would literally tell them this. What do you want to get out of NBC? And uh, what are you willing to do to get it, right? Because because mm. I cannot get those things for you, right? right. You got to be driven. The second one was value fit. And we defined that as, will you do the right thing? Can we trust you? And will we want to work with you?
1: Wow. They're very important,
0: right? Because yeah. I had like in between like I had started other startups before, right? Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and that was a big one the, yeah. in some of them. Uh, it was making It's a I was say, it sounds like it's something where you learn by getting burned before <laughs> yes absolutely and boy I have some stories about that but but for another time um and the third one was skill set fit which is can you add value day one and can we trust the quality of your work mm-hmm. right out of those three those three skill three is skill set fit was the least important to me because I I'm strong believer in that if you have the other two, you can teach the third.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. And obviously it worked out. All right, so we
2: talk about NBC, Professor Kaplan and I always say, we will teach you nothing during this class, but you'll learn an amazing amount. And part of it is because of the experience, the coaches, the judges, and everything else
0: like that. What was your classroom experience like? Oh, amazing. <laughs> it was really good. I mean, I'm not kidding. This is the best thing ever. It's, it's kind of chaotic in a sense because... As like if you see from a perspective of a, of a, of an MBA student, most classes are very well structured, you have mm-hmm. your syllabus, you know exactly where you're gonna do each time. You can actually miss a class I and mean, it's no biggie, right? because you know you, you can just open up the book and chapter eleven and then whatever it is, right. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not the case, right? This is not a class where you want to miss a single class, right? Because everything's going on. it's it's like um, I don't know, it's like it's like missing a big game in a sense when you're the player, right? like you don't want to miss that game, yeah, you want to be there. So I think we started like first week with an introduction and, and learning how to pitch. Mm-hmm. Right, that was super useful. Uh, I, I believe it was uh, taught in a great deal by Waverly. She's mm-hmm. like world class, like really really good in matters. Whenever we spoke with her in a matter of seconds, she would analyze this thing and, and tell us exactly what to do. And she's impressive. Um, and then and then it's off to races. Then all right, like enough. Like now, go and do your thing. Just go and pitch, figure it out, and 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 let's see where you are. Right. So the race has started. You made
2: your first round presentation, bitch,
1: in front
0: of a bunch of in-class
2: judges. And what was their feedback? What What did you do with their feedback?
0: Uh, It was almost funny. Our feedback was awful. (laughs) I mean, it it was good from the perspective that we knew what to do, right? Uh, The people were great in that sense, but uh, we, like, first round, we did worse than average. Uh, Like, uh, to say, to put it bluntly. Um, so we were told that there was no differentiation, that uh, like uh, scale, scalability would be an issue, that uh, the team's not well rounded, like many things, and they were right. I think for the for the first version. Of our effectively for business plan and what we wanted to do. It was just not well thought out. Like uh, we thought it was well thought out. We put in a lot of effort, mm-hmm. but we were babies learning how to walk when we needed to run. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and there's a process. There's a process. We got that feedback and then we very proactively reached out to every single person we could. And that was the first thing we did very well. Mm-hmm. So we talked to a lot of people. Many times and we listened. We really listened. We listened with with conviction. So we didn't listen just for listening sake. We we had our vision, we had a perspective, uh, we had an opinion, but we listened. And, and more often than not, we were wrong. Our opinion was not the right one in a sense, or the more productive one. And the people with more experience had the right answer.
2: So you came back into the second round presentation with a new approach to
0: this business and a new way of explaining it. Yes. How did it change? Well, to start, the value proposition on our customer changed. So we started seeing how how the, the value in this thing is uh, it's different than we thought it was at the beginning. Um, at the beginning, we thought it was just like a... Profit In a sense, like people would like to go and get more profit. And then we, we, we learned that it's not just that. It's that people are already investing in, in short-term rentals. Well, not just short-term rentals, but in real estate. Um, and you're saving them time. You're giving them a good user experience. And you're giving them uh, like a significant profits, right? You're helping them achieve their, their financial goals, long-term goals. So, so, that was a big one. Uh, it, it made it made us really focus on our customer. We learned so much more who's really our customer, and and what's really driving value for them. That. that was the one. Second, scale. So. We we at the beginning we were very conservative about how we we would scale in the future, right? We would we thought that this should be this way, and ah, uh, oh, there's no just no way you can get 200 properties in two years, whatever. When when uh, when you have 50
2: properties in six months, <laughs> would tell you never be conservative.
0: Yeah, and that's true. I, I everybody that's listening, they are right. <laughs> don't 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 fight it. They are right. Don't be conservative. <laughs>
2: And so you went from arguably one of the, the worst in your day of presentation yes. to second round, seemingly one of the best. And yeah. more than that, we announced the finalists.
0: What was your? What, were you surprised by getting into the finals? Yes, yes, we were. We were surprised um, because we kind we of like we were a little bit down from the first round, right? Um, and then even though we did well in the second round, we were not sure. Because like the other teams are very really strong. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's a competition, right? We we never doubted that we were going to do well as a business. Like never, we, not a shadow of a doubt. But the other businesses are really good, right? Right. So that's the thing. I mean, this
2: was the most competitive MVC we have ever had in the history of the NBC, I and mean, it is just amazing how many great teams there were. But you came out, and so you had a week from when you found out that you made the finals. To presenting in the finals. Yeah. What did you do in that 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 week?
0: That was over what? Memorial Day weekend. Yes. So not much, <laughs> actually. So we changed, we met with Waverly. She she kind of gave us a few tips on, on how to change the presentation itself mm-hmm. to make it more impactful. Uh, the message didn't change that much. The, okay. It Didn't change that much. She's good. Yes, because basically by this, like the, the feedback we got from second round was mostly positive. Uh, and and by talking to many coaches, they kind of once once we got into the finals, they kind of said, you know, what you have is what got you into the finals. So make sure you're not breaking everything to kind of add just a little bit more fun. Right. Mm-hmm. So we focused on really like making sure, extra sure that we understood very well what we were doing and uh, nailing Q&A very important um, being experts like we kind of we actually started like getting customers we, we started focusing more on the business actually, mm-hmm. rather than the competition itself and uh, like the, mm-hmm. the thing we did the most about the competition was the Q&A but that was a, a, a byproduct of doing the business
1: right
2: so you get in front of the fund, you go in the phone so you in the morning you were on the opening yeah. acts and what was that experience like pitching to I mean we had 27 world-class entrepreneurs that had been through the MVC, but also VCs from around the world. As a matter of fact, we had two of the newest three on the minus 100 list. I mean, we had amazing VCs sitting in the
0: audience. What was it like pitching to them? It's a bit unreal, to be frank. It's like, I remember when I was doing I was nervous. I was super nervous, super, super nervous. I am really blessed in the sense that Christina has amazing, presentation skills yes like really good like even even like just after the first pitch we did uh we were joking like we had this inside joke that if this doesn't work out for us then she can, at least she could do the cats or something <laughs> she, she's really good she's really easy to uh to listen to so i was lacking that sense because she went first right like she did our first half and she said like she's a professional and she nailed it and then it was me but it it felt i was super nervous and it felt a little bit like an out of out of body experience (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's interesting because you're trying to you're trying to be professional you're trying to do your thing right you try you, you we prepared a lot we were practicing for like four days straight uh we didn't change much but we practiced right um and then you're there Right. And you see everybody, and you're in the green room first, Mm -hmm. right? And and you're talking and 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 you're you know it's coming. It felt a little bit at the time. I remember this having this image, like to pump me up a little bit. Like when you have you watched the gladiator movie? Yeah, Yeah, like like before like the main guy goes out to the to the stadium, right? right? Or to the coliseum, really, like in preparation, just like you know, you're you're mentally preparing. That's how it felt at the beginning. And then you go there, they present you, then you start talking. And and people are listening, and it's not that scary anymore. You're still nervous, right? But but that now you, as you're saying, really really good VCs are paying attention, and you see their faces, and and they like what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It's really impressive. It's it's something that like it, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen in, in in real life, in a sense, right? Like like it, it's impressive.
2: Well, especially I mean, you were the opening act. You had not seen anyone else present. You had not interacted with the judge. I and mean, you were the opening act to see what was happening. But and so you presented, you did very well in the presentation. You started did very very well in the Q and A. What was the toughest question you think you got
0: Q and A? I think um, a very tough one was around competition. Mm-hmm. Very very tough one. Uh, I, I can't recall exactly what was it, but it's something like you know there's other players out there that are uh, really good. Mm-hmm. So how do you think about them? Right. And that was like that was the end of the of the question. And that was tough because um, there are big players out there. We're here to like uh, disrupt this space, of course, and add, add more value and do better. But there are big players, and and it, it's like the like the the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's the kind of thing that you don't want to <laughs> get a question about, right? Like, uh, and, and and that was kind of hard because that was one of those things that we've been talking about for a long time. And 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 remember, like we. Besides the NBC itself, we were decided that we wanted to do this business, right? Okay, like it's so you're a, doing it no matter what happened them No matter what, like no matter what we were doing it. Like uh, the, the format may change, but no matter what we were doing it. So the competition aspect—it's something that's looming over us every day, mm-hmm. right? Every—it's a major thing. It's a major component of every decision. So when you get asked that, you can either talk a lot. And that's a bad thing. Uh, you can say good things. You can say bad things. You, you can, you can screw that up very easily. Mm-hmm. Right. And you always want to instill confidence in investors. You want to be us. You want to, but you, but you want to, you want to make sure that that people see why is it that you are convinced that you can do well. And competition is one of those things that, that no matter what, like there, there always is. And it's never, it's not necessarily ever a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that was very tricky. I, 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 I just, wasn't sure we were gonna nail that question.
2: Well, it seems like well, you nail the question. You nailed the whole Q&A session <laughs> because you were the opening act, and for, and we had eleven others following you. For those who aren't familiar with the format, we had them the judges score every presentation afterwards, and then at the end of the day, we asked them to of the twelve companies that they saw on the NBC fund. Which one did they think is the most deserving to win? Which one came in second? Which one came in third? And interestingly enough, while you were in the first presentation and scored well in the score, at the end of the day, you still were seen as doing very well in the presentation and scored very well on that too. And so, I mean, it was clear to everyone that you were going to win. But it it seemed like it wasn't clear to you because (laughs) it's always so soft-spoken. And for the announcement, we actually started with the finalists and then worked our way up. At what point did you think, "Wow, we might actually do well
0: here"? <laughs> <laughs> that's actually so funny because when we were, um, again, every team was very strong. Right. We really thought, you know, all right, at least we make it, maybe made it to the finals. It's a really good thing. Thank you very much. Right? That's mm-hmm. what we were thinking. That was the we had this uh, WhatsApp group, right, like the yeah. internal chat, and that that's kind of the, the sentiment that was going on, right? Uh, and that's fine, um, but then. We and we had our favorites. We thought, you know what, these two we think are gonna win, right? I'm not gonna say exactly <laughs> which one. <laughs> you just took a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so we had these sentiment and then uh, and then they say eighth or wh- whatever, like all the right. first ones, and one of those two were there. And I was like, all right, well, we may have a shot. Then seventh, and they, whoa, well, I mean, we're better than seventh. That's that's unexpected. That's very good. Sixth, and I think either sixth or fifth was the other one. Wow, we actually could make it fourth, and I was like, "Nah!" and 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 then my other co-founders started like DMing me like directly, right? Like, is, is this true? I mean, maybe they forgot about us. <laughs> <laughs> like, we were we were really not expecting it. Then, then three, two, and I'm like, "Nah, this is not a thing. This is unreal." And then one, and we we even like literally even when they said and number one, even then, I at least me. I didn't think it was us. I, I genuinely thought there's an there's an error here. Like there's a glitch, they forgot or something. And that was us and we were not prepared. We 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 were we just did not expect that. Well being in the COVID environment was hard to, because everyone
2: was so remote, we weren't able to see it, but I could feel the palpable energy of when you guys won. And you also you get, received investments so far of six hundred and eighty-one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Game-changing, life-changing yes. investment, but you know the beginning of the investment. But more than that, really is validation that this is a real business that a lot of professional investors saw opportunity in, yes. and to really go out and make that happen. So, now what? So you've received the indications of the six hundred eight, and your ask was how much did you ask for in the investment? Yeah, six hundred thousand. So you've exceeded your original ask. Yeah. Because you were a little conservative, we'll take that a lot of time. <laughs> and so you you basically got what
0: you need to start this business. Now what's going on with the business? Now we're off to the races. That's the thing. Now we're laser focused on making this thing grow. That, that's what it is. So everyone in, in the team has different... Um, Roles to play, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I'm leading the the fundraising efforts, right? Because sure, we have that that, but I now have to go and meet with investors right. and, and make sure that everything's well aligned and we're poised for growth. Matias and Christina are figuring out uh, like the, the specifics, reaching out to mar- uh, partners, uh, looking at like doing due diligence on on specific deals. So we we're literally just focused. We're laser focused. It's business and customers first. Uh, everything else second, right? Mm-hmm. So, so as I was saying, this was a thing that uh, the company mean that was going to happen no matter what, mm-hmm. right? Now this is a catalyst; it's a game changer, life changing thing, but it's it, it it fits the same story, and the story is the company, not not us, right? And 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 so basically, we just have to make it happen now. Yeah. You were talking about PIPA technology
2: and how well they did last year. Mm -hmm. They received 450000 So you're 30% above what they were. (laughs) I mean, this is by far the largest MBC we've ever had. But more importantly, it's the largest business plan accelerator in any university environment in the world. So now that you've received uh, these investments, are you done fundraising? Or have you thought maybe I'd get a little bit more? I mean, you have a lot of people seemingly want to talk to
0: you now. Yeah. So, and, and that is one thing that for people at home listening, uh, it doesn't stop. <laughs> it doesn't stop right there. If you do well, and, and as Mark's saying, if you get that validation, it's for a reason, right? It it might be that it's a good idea, that it's a good business, that it's a good team, something. And and when you have that, other people want, want in. Right. And other people want to see WhatsApp and talk to you. And, and, and if you do well in those conversations, more people want to invest. Mm-hmm. So now we have over 20 extra investors that, that are interested in, in jumping on board, different mm-hmm. allocations. Uh, so now we have to talk to them. We're looking for value. Right. Mm-hmm. We're looking to have people on board that uh, they that were like partners. Right. Like we really look at this as partnerships. We want to have fun with them, working mm-hmm. with them, and, and we want to build a business with them right? It's, it's going to be part of their business as well. So we want to make sure that people we invite uh, to our home uh, are the people that we want to have in our home. That's great.
2: So in 2019, you started that business. You get in the booth. You say, quit my old job. I'm going to start this business before I get going a booth. And in six months, you get this amazing validation. You start taking some booth classes, applying it back to see the business grow a little bit. COVID hits, takes the business near zero, but yeah. still alive. Mm-hmm. Get into the NBC. Rush and crush it through the MVC process. Come on, number one, winning it. And now ready to roll out the business and show the world what the new Andes STR is going to be. Mm-hmm. So help us understand, five years from now, what, will, what, what should we expect of Andes STR or whatever you end up renaming it? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah,
2: Ben, it's, it's important.
0: <laughs> That's a big one. So we envision ourselves as being the number one, like the go-to number one solution for short rentals, mm-hmm. right? So if you ever think about buying a vacation rental, short-term rental, or, or even just like a property, I, I want people to think about us. That's like the first thing that comes to mind, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to have an app, right? Like where people can buy in real time, like in a matter of like seconds, in a sense, right? They want to make it a super liquid market, want to make it great, we want to have over, like at at the very least, like three thousand properties under management.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we want to be in, in several markets, not too many. You don't want to spread yourself too thin, and and, and but you want to allow. Don't be conservative. <laughs> You're right. Uh, I learned my lesson by now. <laughs> but but yes, so we do want to offer our customers diversification in terms mm-hmm. of markets, right? We want to start working with bigger projects as well. And we all are already talking, having very good conversations in that way. I don't want to give it away for now, but um, institutional investors are interested as well. Uh, so that's how we see it. We want to be the number one in short-term rentals. That's great. I mean, and you've got an amazing foundation to build from. I mean,
2: the business that you've Created and explained and clarified and and retooled mm-hmm. is really got great potential. So let's go back to the beginning here. So you knew about the entrepreneurship opportunities at Booth, but didn't know that much about the MBC until you had gotten here. Mm-hmm. But here you are on a podcast that's going around the world. For any future Booth students or or even entrepreneurs like you who are thinking of coming to Booth,
0: tell them what they should think of the MBC. The. Probably the best experience of your life. It's amazing. So, if you're even toying with the idea of being an entrepreneur, do an NVC. Do it twice, actually, if you can. Mm-hmm. If, if, if there's one regret I have, if it's that I didn't do NVC with another team year one, mm-hmm. that was one. Because if I could have two servings of this, I would. Mm-hmm. It's an impressive thing. The way I remember telling uh, Professor Steve Kaplan that my impression about NVC, like if I had to summarize it, it's like having Einstein as your physics tutor. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. you have literally like the best of the best in, in terms of entrepreneurship, of venture capital, and in, in every other aspect, really, that uh, guiding you and basically like holding your hand throughout this three-month process. Right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing better than this if you want to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. If you want to do something else, like like. I mean, it could be an interesting uh, academic experience or exercise, right? It's still like, it's. I believe it's the number one ranked class in 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 Booth and by a margin.
2: In my opinion it is, I don't know <laughs> what the stats
0: are, but in my opinion. It is. Uh, I'm actually pretty sure because one of those things that I did, like I'm a, I'm a huge nerd, mm-hmm. I keep, so, so I built my own little machine learning program to do my uh, bidding mm-hmm. uh, for classes. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So I, I had it automated uh, in the first quarter, so mm-hmm. I knew exactly what to take. And, uh, and, and I remember seeing that consistently, NBC, has like, it has like a large title, right? Mm-hmm. But the NBC, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, when they ask students, would you recommend this class yeah. to somebody else? That's by far the number yeah. one, by yeah. far. And it's so true. It's mm-hmm. so true. It, it's really the best class you can take. There's nothing like this.
2: So you knew the entrepreneurship focus at Booth mm-hmm. uh, before you came to Booth from growing up in Chile. Why should someone that's interested in entrepreneurship come to Booth? Oh, beyond NBC.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, NBC by itself. I seriously, Mm -hmm. if it's just NBC, I think that's worth it. By the way, I'll put it out there. Just by itself, if there's nothing else at Booth, you want to be an entrepreneur and you have the option of going into NBC, that would be enough. But besides NBC, I think I honestly think this is the ideal environment for entrepreneurs. Like Mm -hmm. it's ideal because you have a flexible curriculum because there's no two stories that are alike. So my story, having come from more of a finance and a little bit of an entrepreneurial background, it's different than somebody who maybe came from a marketing background that mm-hmm. wants to do entrepreneurship, right? So you'll need to strengthen different skill sets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you want to make it more complementary or whatever, right? So the flexible curriculum is really powerful for an entrepreneur. If you want to do like, I don't know, consulting, then if more fixed curriculum could be good for you. But, but uh, for an entrepreneur, I think flexible is the way to go. That's mm-hmm. number one. Number two it's the professors, like seriously, like, uh, like you, Mark, for instance, professor, like the entrepreneurship uh, curriculum, in, in a sense, like all the, the classes are really remarkably good because I, I don't want to say anything bad about other uh, um, schools, but many other schools um, don't have professors of entrepreneurship as good, but that also have been practitioners at the caliber and level that we have here. Mm-hmm. it's really. like I mean, for the people at home, I'm sitting across uh, the, the table with a world-renowned entrepreneur and, and, and someone that's very, very smart and a, a very good professor. That doesn't happen in, in many other schools. It just mm-hmm. doesn't happen. And, and well, I, as I was saying, I applied to many of the top ones. I did my due diligence. This was the way to go. It, it's just like in a flexible curriculum. The professors are amazing and the people. Those three things, people like entrepreneurs come here. Right. Like it's not like my impression from like of other schools is that that's not a breeding ground for entrepreneurs, and that's not where entrepreneurs are flocking. It's just like it's it was just not my my crowd in a sense. Mm-hmm. Here, they won. I could see it. I actually talked to a few people, I asked them, what do you want to do with entrepreneurship? Like not a they didn't take a beat. So so for me, it was those three things.
2: And for your classmates, I mean, three
0: out of every four booth students now have a concentration in entrepreneurship. So
2: it's become extremely popular. All right. So you've now proven yourself through Booth, through the MVC, and you know, through the the redefinition, through the creation and redefinition of Andy's as a world-class entrepreneur. So for other entrepreneurs who are looking for insights and advice and the like, what advice do you have for someone who's in your position, thinking about starting a business or starting to grow the business? What should they be thinking about from your experience and background? Like uh, once they come to booth or in general? No, let's say it's an entrepreneur, someone listening to this podcast and is not going to go to booth for a variety of reasons, but they've got an, a dream. Mm-hmm. They they maybe they want to sell avocados, maybe okay. they want to sell the knives, Are they maybe they want to buy, you know, build a business that can help people buy short-term rentals and manager. You seem to have a formula through all these different businesses that you started that's proven to be successful, flow. Not many students can say, I started a little side business that paid for my way to get through college, <laughs> but you did it not once, but twice. What lessons do you have for someone who's a new entrepreneur
0: that would say, oh my God, you've got to do this. Yeah. Keep your eyes open, mm-hmm. right? Walk through life looking for problems. That's something that that I just used to do when I was little. And, and you got to like nurture it is it's not easy but go like whenever you take a walk like just walk and look for problems that you can solve don't ever think that you cannot solve them because if there's one thing I've learned is that No matter what your background is, like no matter what you know now, if there's a problem that you're passionate about solving, you can figure it out. You can maybe you're not if it's a technical thing. Maybe you're not going to be the technical guy, Mm -hmm. but but that's not the the spirit of an entrepreneur. The spirit of entrepreneur is not being the guy that does it necessarily, not always. It's solving a problem, Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to find the tools to, Mm to to solve the problem or the resources, whatever it is. And then perhaps after those two things, perhaps more importantly. Validate the problem because it's very easy. Like when you're discovering, like is this a problem or not? Validate the problem and just start doing it. Mm-hmm. So there, don't be stupid though. Have a plan for sure. So don't like throw everything away. Uh, at least not until you're ready. But at least that's my opinion. But um, most people, when when they, I think that's the biggest mistake. That most people, when they think about entrepreneurship, they they think about it as an intellectual exercise. Right? They think about it as like a, like a case study or like something that that's done on paper. Entrepreneurship is done out of, in the real life in the, in the real world. So when you're thinking about maybe I should do this, do a plan like a Canvas, whatever, like like jot down your assumptions, what, what you think is going on, But then go out, go out and talk to people, see what's going on, uh, ask their opinion, uh, start like dabbling into the thing, like see like uh, you're gonna learn for sure, and start just doing something. Doesn't have to be the full thing it doesn't have to be the, the full vision that you have for the company because most likely that vision's wrong and, and it's gonna change and for the better it's gonna be a good thing it's always better but uh go and do something go and do it a little bit and then see how it goes and then iterate quickly and and, and build a little bit more talk to more people see how we can improve and then focus once you find that that thing and once you're kind of ready and once you're convinced just focus and do it and keep pushing forward everything else aligns like like things align and if you're if you're an entrepreneurial guy or gal, if you just have like a little bit of resourcefulness, like you're going to make it happen. Don't worry too much about the details. Focus on that thing, that great thing that you want to solve and that great solution that you're building and everything else aligns.
2: Well, given
0: what you've shown in MVC, given what you've
2: shown with Andy's SCR, I mean, and now with the ability of graduating tomorrow to be able to roll up and focus on those great aspirations of where Andy's SCR is going to be. I mean, You are in rarefied air, having won the NBC, but more importantly, to have the funding behind you that you can now roll out this business, it looks like the opportunity is yours to take. I hope you do very well with it. I'm confident we've got a solid foundation for you to do well with it. But most importantly, keep in touch. Let us know what's going on. Love to have future podcast marketing and everything else where we talk about where you are, because I I want to see that your aspiration, where you think it's going to be is truly conservative. I, I expect it to be even better than what your anticipations are. And I thank you very much for taking the time today to talk to us on this podcast about the whole NBC experience, but more importantly, for everyone to learn more about Andy's STR. Thank you. Thank you
1: very much. All right. That is it for this episode. If you could do me a huge favor really quick, please go to your favorite podcasting app, often Apple Podcasts, and rate and review our show. This gets the show recommended to more folks, and it also helps us get bigger and better guests for you to listen to. Take care.